Today we'll see Jesus call two more disciples and think for a moment on openness. All this and a whole lot more on today's Bible study podcast. Welcome to another edition of Bible Study Podcast. It's Friday and my name is Justin. It's great to have the many of you out there listening to come back and and hear us again. And and I really appreciate all of you who are listening for the first time. Uh, Today we'll be continuing in the Gospel of John as we'll look at John 1 verses 43 through 51. Since today's study will be a bit shorter than usual, we're also going to talk just for a moment about something I've really been pondering in recent weeks. And... uh, We'll talk about that near the end of the podcast. Uh, first, I'd like to remind everyone that you can always get in touch with me at Bible Study Podcast Justin at gmail.com. I also remember that if you would like to submit music to be played during the podcast, you can as long as it is an original piece of music or you own the copyright, and you can put it in MP3 format or WAV format and uh, email it to me at Bible Study Podcast Justin at gmail.com. You know, you'll hear music today from those who have sent in their music so far, and, and if you like what you hear, let me know, and I'll be glad to pass along where you can find their music at. Finally, I'd like to thank all of you who have been praying for my dad. Uh, he had his hernia surgery on Thursday, and and all seemed to go well as far as the surgery, and he's on his way to recovery now. So uh, thanks a lot for your prayers and uh, for your good wishes, and and I'd also like to ask that you continue to pray for for me and my lovely bride-to-be as we prepare to get married in July. Uh, I truly appreciate it. And with that being said, let's let's begin today with a word of prayer. Our Father, we come to you with a broken heart and an open mind. Fill us with your love and illuminate us with the light of your Son, in whom we live, we breathe, and we pray. Amen. Let's begin by reading John one forty-three and 44 to set the stage says, The next day he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, of the city of Andrew and Peter. Now again, as we said last time, we picked up on what John tells us is the next day, as Jesus decided to go into Galilee. Now Galilee is the region of northern Israel, which is near the Sea of Galilee, which kind of lies on the north side of the Jordan River. The Jordan River... It's kind of the main vein of water for Israel, and at the north end is the Sea of Galilee, and at the south end is the Dead Sea, or the Red Sea. Well, Jesus had called Andrew and Peter, and and most likely John, as we talked about last week, while they were following John the Baptist down in Judea, which is at the south end of the Jordan. It's near the Red Sea, or the Dead Sea. And, And so Jesus has apparently moved north by this point to Bethsaida, which was a city on the Sea of Galilee. Now, Bethsaida means the house of fishing, so apparently this was an area that took advantage of the abundance of fish that uh, the Sea of Galilee had to offer. So it's here that Jesus finds Philip, who most likely was a fisherman himself, and he says, follow me. So what does Philip do? Well, let's read on and see. Verse 45 and 46 say, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. The first thing that is recorded is that Philip goes and gets Nathanael. He tells him 
that we have found the one whom Moses spoke of. We found this guy, Jesus. Now, Philip's testimony is directly saying that this, Jesus, is the prophet. You know, he's the prophet we talked about earlier in Deuteronomy 18, verses 18 and 19. This is the one God will send to deliver his people. You know, and it's kind of interesting to note that Philip still calls Jesus the son of Joseph. You know, which is surely a testament to the fact that it hadn't been revealed to them yet that Jesus was the Son of God. Well, Nathaniel's reaction is is not exactly a great and joyous celebration, you know, as we might expect. You know, we've grown to to kind of think as we've read the first part of John that as soon as people found out, hey, this guy looks like the Messiah, you know, they've gotten excited. Well, Nathaniel's not like that. You know, instead he says, instead it becomes a question of credibility for him. You know, he basically says, really, can something good really come out of Nazareth? You see, Nazareth is a city up in Galilee, but it's more inland. You know, Bethsaida is right on the Sea of Galilee, but Nazareth is more in the middle between the Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean Sea. Well, as we see in John 7, you know, whenever people mention Galilee as a region, it, it's not exactly a popular region. You know, it... <laughs> It's kind of the outcast of the Jews. But even within Galilee, Nazareth is even less popular. It had a bad reputation. You know, it's kind of looked down upon as a poor, you know, morally deficient area. So for Philip to say that Jesus is one who is of Nazareth is almost a joke to Nathaniel. You know, it's like you're sitting there saying, What? Somebody's coming from Nazareth and you say he's going to be the deliverer? <laughs> yeah, right. But rather than argue it, I think it's interesting that Philip simply takes Nathaniel to see for himself. You know, which is where the story really begins to get good. We'll read on in verse 47 through 51. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, when Jesus sees Nathanael coming along, he proclaims, Look! There's a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's look at the rest of the story, and let's look at the rest of the context, and we'll be able to figure it out. When Nathaniel hears this, he asks Jesus, How do you know me? You know, how how do you know who I am? To which Jesus responds, Before Philip called you, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. Now, this notion of being under the fig tree is a phrase that was used a lot by the Jewish teachers to mean... To meditate, you know, it had the idea of it was a place of safety, a place of leisure, and and so for them they used it constantly to say one was meditating on the law, you know, that one can find safety and security there. Well, perhaps when Jesus tells him that he saw him sitting under the tree, perhaps Nathaniel's mind thought back to Psalms one thirty nine, which in verses one through three says, "O oh Lord, you have searched me, and you know me." You know where I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. 
you are familiar with all my ways. You know, perhaps knowing this is why Nathaniel immediately answers, You are the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. You see, Nathaniel understands Jesus to be the Messiah with these titles. When he calls him the Son of God and the King of Israel, it kind of harkens back to Psalm 2, verses 6 and 7, which reads, I have installed my King on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my Son. This is kind of where we learn of the messianic type that will come from the line of David. You know, it, the Messiah was to come from David, and he would be the king who the Lord would send to rule over Zion and to proclaim that he is his son. Well, this is the one that Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, as he says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, which was David's father. You know, the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Jesus is the Messiah. You know, that's what he's saying. Jesus is the deliverer that was to come. Now, Jesus, upon hearing Nate's testimony, just asked him if just because Jesus told him that he saw him under the tree, does Nathaniel believe? Well, he says, you better hold on because you will see much greater things than these. That is, Nathaniel would see greater proofs that Jesus is God. He'd see the miracles. He would be able to see the signs. He'd see the things that we will begin going over as we enter chapter 2 and beyond. And so Jesus continues, truly, truly, meaning this is important. You know, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now this is where we can really begin to grasp verse 47 that we mentioned earlier. As we said in verse 48, apparently Nathaniel was meditating on the law before Philip came. Well, many scholars believe he must have been thinking over Genesis 28, verses 10 to 17, as this is exactly what Jesus is making reference to. In Genesis 28:12, we read that Jacob, who would later take on the name Israel, had a dream in which he saw a ladder that went from earth to heaven with angels ascending and descending. At the top was God, who in the dream promised that he would be with Jacob and would bring his family back to the promised land. Now Jacob was known as one who deceived, as a trickster. You know, he had tricked his father into blessing him rather than his brother. He had kind of swindled his brother out of his birthright. And yet God revealed himself to Jacob. We'll come back to verse 47 now where Jesus says that Nathanael is a true Israelite. That is, he is part of God's chosen people, but in whom there is no deceit. That is, he's a descendant of Israel in whom there is no Jacob. You know, in other words, God revealed much to Jacob who was deceitful. How much more, how much greater, as verse 50 says, will be the things that Nathaniel sees? In fact, he shows this right away in verse 51. This is exactly the same wording that we saw in Jacob's latter dream. But now we see that the latter that connects God to earth or in other words, God to man, that latter is no less than the Son of Man. You know, in saying Son of Man, Jesus is speaking of His humanity and the suffering work that He will do as the Savior. It is through His death that we can be connected to God. Wow! Isn't that incredible? We, we now see this beautiful picture of angels ascending and descending, going from the Father and revealing his message to the people on earth 
And now we know that the only way that's possible is through Christ. What a picture. So what is it we're to take from this? Well, first, I think we can see that Jesus is the Christ. He is God and has come down and taken on flesh to be our deliverer, to save us from our sins. You know, second, it is through Christ that we can be in communion with God the Father. He is the ladder that connects man on earth to God in the heavens. He is the pure revelation of God to us, and He is the bridge for man to God. We should look to Him accordingly as our only hope, as our only shot, because it's only through Him that we can have any message of God at all. And finally, we can see how the disciples are being assembled, and we're beginning to see why they were called. You know, in each case, as the disciple was chosen, he was pointed us back to the glory of God by recognizing Jesus as God. We should do the same in our walks with our Savior as we strive to bring glory to His name in all that we do. After all, it is why we are called to follow. Well, that's all of our study for today. But before we adjourn today, I, I'd just like to talk to you for a moment about something that's really been repeatedly brought up in my life recently that that may help you as well and it's kind of this idea of openness now i've recently seen numerous occasions where you know maybe a church would break apart because of a secret that was held among its staff or where a family is in conflict because some members don't want to make it public that their son is is really in need of help or you know many situations like that and uh, they're just situations where someone's choice not to be open or not to be fully honest about a situation has has kind of led them into trouble and you know sadly I, I think this is often carried on when we go to church you know when we go and hang out with our Christian friends you know as someone's kind of reluctant to tell others of a burden that's on their heart or because they just don't want to appear as someone who has a problem you know they don't want to sound like a whiner or something like that so instead of saying what bothers us and instead of letting others know how we're doing, we just kind of say we're fine and, and move on. and We never allow those who care about and love us to pray for us or to help us. You know, it's kind of with this in mind that I would like to propose a challenge, both to you and myself. My challenge is for us as children of God to become more open and honest with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, what I'm not saying is for us to start sharing things that really should be kept private. You know, things like the conversation of a wife and a husband. You know, or or a parent's knowledge of something that's really embarrassing to their child. You know, I'm not saying that we should share everything. I'm not saying that we should, you know, to kind of steal a phrase from my mom, air our dirty laundry. What I'm saying is, we should share with those who we are close with those things that worry us. You know, the things that bother us. The things that, that hold us back somehow. You know, we should talk about our successes. We should talk about our joys. We should be about praying for our siblings in the faith and, and rejoicing with them when good things happen. But in order to pray for those close to us, we need to share what to pray for. You know, we, what we need help with. My hope and my prayer for all of us is that we won't be people who just kind of put on our happy face and and go and hang out with those closest to us or go to church and you know, and act as though nothing was wrong at all. But instead, that we would be honest and we would tell friends 
you know, that we'd be able to say, you know, I, I just really need your prayers this week. This is bugging me. Or uh, we could rejoice. You know, we could go up to friends and say, rejoice with me over this good thing. You know, this is awesome that happened. Look what the Lord is doing in my life. Or, you know, that we could ask friends, what's on your mind? You know, what is it that I can help you with this week? Or, or what can I rejoice with you over? What is it that we can praise about? You know, if we can do that, if we can be more open, if we can be more transparent with people, you know, I think our lives would be much better, and and I think our Lord's love would be much more magnified. Well, you know, that's just my thought, and you can take it or leave it as you please, but if you have any thoughts of your own about that, please feel free to let me know at Bible Study Podcast Justin at gmail.com. But until next time, may God bless and keep you. Try